All right. So um, I tried to contact you, Tom, uh, this past week. Um, I've been working with a, with a friend uh, in the past well, couple of weeks, and um, he's, let's say, more advanced in matters of NPMR exploration. And um, it seems that uh, he's able to become operational uh, with his intellect uh, in, in NPMR, so to speak and he's, so to speak, connecting to people telepathically, or that's uh, how what he claims. I can just confirm that uh, there are some um, statements from him about what's going on in me or in, in, in my consciousness, uh, which were quite, uh, well, to, to be just a chance, it, it would have to be um, a very, really good guess. And um, what what I'm playing he, uh, with him is uh, some sort of connecting game uh, where we try to exchange data. He claims that he can connect and uh, let's say upload or copy data. And uh, basically, I assume that it, this may be some telepathic uh, NPMR communication he's uh, doing semi-consciously. Mm, and the question is, um, is it possible, in your opinion, to work like this? And uh, uh, is it possible, for example, to for him to help me overcome some issues, some fears, uh, by, uh, let's say, sharing his methods of uh, balancing the imbalances or something like that on, on the data level? Okay, uh, first of all, you said, uh, is it possible? And yes, it's possible. Uh, it's, you know, I'm not sure exactly how you're exchanging data, but uh, let me give you a couple of, of thoughts about how you can exchange data. You can, you can exchange data with another being with your intent, and the exchange can go either way. You can listen at what it is they are sending you and you can ask them direct questions and you will get answers so it's just so it's like you're talking to their consciousness but not necessarily to their avatar you see and though the avatar is busy their avatar may be busy doing something else you know maybe swimming laps in the pool or something thinking about not swallowing water you could be talking to them about some other problem you're talking directly to their IUOC that's a you know, that's a rather simple thing. It's an easy thing to be able to do. It's um, just an exchange of data between IUOCs. And if they are willing to exchange the data with you and you ask the questions and can listen to the data, if you can calm your own mind enough that the noise doesn't get in your way, then communicating with another person that way is, is uh, a pretty easy thing to do because it's what we're made to do. We're made to be able to do that, to communicate. And we do it without knowing that we do it all the time. So part of it is, is uh, just the practice of being able to do it, getting a low noise connection and having practiced it enough that you can separate out your own, your own thoughts that might overlay or, or interpret on top of what you get. So yes, that is possible. Now, Typically, what that means is that you can talk telepathically. In other words, you talk in, in uh, 
paragraphs. You get whole paragraphs at a time, whole chunks of meaning, ideas and concepts come all at once that you're exchanging. And those can be fairly accurate, but that's different than say, I'm thinking of a series of numbers, you know, and you think of a, of a seven digit number or something or an eight digit number and see if you can guess it. That's a different sort of thing. That's not so much a telepathic thing as it is getting a, a very specific linear series of, of uh, digits out of somebody else's mind. A different problem altogether. That also can be done, but if it's a, if it's a um, you know, one person's trying to be the sender and the other's trying to be the receiver, there can be some excess of that, but that's much more difficult to do and requires probably more practice than it is just talking in paragraphs telepathically. So there's different things. It's not that if you can if you can interact with somebody, communicate with somebody from the non-physical, that that means you can communicate on on all ways on all subjects with them. Not necessarily the case. Two, you have to remember that the person who is communicating with you from the non-physical, this other person, they also are interpreting what they get from their own experience base what their own beliefs and their own knowledge and their own ignorance and their own fears and all of that goes into their own interpretation of what they get. So just like if you talk to somebody uh, verbally, they don't always interpret what you say to be exactly what you mean. They can, they're interpreting it in terms of themselves. Of course, if they're talking to you physically, they're looking at body language as well as you know, as, as well as what you say and as well as the fact that they know you and know your personality and so on. All that goes into their interpretation. When you're just getting data out of the database, then you don't have those other, those other clues to go along with the data. You get information and it's easier to misinterpret what somebody uh, is doing. So you have to be aware of that. If they say, oh, well, I got this and that and the other thing. Well, maybe they did, but that may not actually be what was there, what you sent. You may have sent something else, and that's just how they interpreted it. So you have to always keep a certain amount of skepticism into the process because there's lots of uncertainty in the process, and the skepticism should be, you know, at least equal to the amount of uncertainty that's that's there. So it can be done, and sure, I encourage you, go ahead and do experiments. Um, but remember, if you're having this person helping you with, with uh, personal things, then you have to, one, be open enough to give them entree to the information that they might need to help you, and two, uh, you have to be skeptical enough to know that they may misconstrue what they get, and what they tell you may not be um, actual fact. Now, if you're going to get them to do some healing on you, like they would try to, uh, um, it doesn't have to be physical healing, it could be emotional or it could be other kind of healing, whatever, then they're just trying to give you the, the energy to, you know, heal yourself in a way. They're, they're changing the probability uh, with their intent of you being, you know, a, a, a more functional way rather than a less functional way. And if you also try to move that probability in the same direction to be more functional, then between the two of you, you'll be putting, you know, t you know, you'll be working at it from two different directions, and that should be effective. So it can be effective, it can have its faults, and the uh, misinformation 
or it can uh, actually you know, just not work very well, depending on the kind of communication and the, and the circumstances. So I'd just say play with it. Experimentation is good. Uh, remember, there's a lot of variables that are hard to tie down. So experiments tend to be uh, have uncertainty in them. Yeah, definitely. I try to be skeptical. Um, I try to evaluate things based on the outcome. So if he says to me that uh, I may have some belief, I actually know this disbelief uh, thanks to him, one or two beliefs, uh, specific beliefs, which I didn't really notice before. And he saw that uh, this was causing, uh, let's say, uh, stress within my body. And after I realized this, uh, he said he, he has done something to, he has uploaded some information and my subconsciousness uh, apparently accepted it uh, willingly. Then uh, I noticed after half an hour that uh, the, the tension in my body was really uh, lower or maybe even gone. So these are the, let's say, things I try to notice, even though I know that this may just be placebo effect, of course. But uh, oh, let's see. And um, the, the second question, if I may, would be uh, if, for example, um, well, this intent-based intent uh, data exchange, uh, I, as I understand it, even though I'm not really seeing the data flow as such, it's not like I have a graphical user interface uh, on which I can really rely in MPMR, uh, I just, uh, let's say, formulate an intent that I would like to have this information and uh, I would like to use it for such and such purpose uh, to be in a position for the larger concentration system to um, to, to be really helpful uh, with the result. And uh, basically with this intent I need to trust that it's really going on, that it's really working. And uh, then I try to judge uh, based on the effects whether it really was doing something or not, and uh, this, yeah. Yeah, that's good. All you said is is excellent. That's all the right attitudes. Uh, the very last thing you said is you judge, but try not to judge very much or very harshly, particularly very soon. Give it give it some time. Don't try to judge, you know, the first two or three times, or it's done once, and then you're gonna if you judge it, you're liable to misjudge it because you don't really have enough data to be a good judge of it. You know, to, to, to make a good judgment, you have to take a, a lot of data so that you uh, can make a, an intelligent judgment. If you try to judge too quickly, you'll basically be making assumptions and, and uh, jumping to conclusions and may do yourself a disservice. So be very gentle and, and uh, not, you know, have a lot of uncertainty in any judgments you make near term. You can make judgments in the near term, but realize they're all very uncertain. A lot of probability uh, goes with those. You know, put it, I didn't say that very well. You could keep a keep at least a medium to low probability on that actually being a fact, but you can make them temporarily kind of judgments. But give it time and see how it works. Eventually, you'll know whether it's something that's valuable to you or not valuable to you. Yep. Just don't just don't get your ego wrapped around a result. That then that will then mess it up more than anything. Yes, that that's what I'm struggling with, and basically the thing is, as, as I understood it, uh, if I keep with it, uh, keep up with it, I will be able to really trust myself more and notice much more, uh, and uh, 
this is what uh, my friend seems to be uh, using after several years of uh, this sort of work. He somehow notices or feels or knows conceptually that some data exchange is going on with some beings. And uh, well, he, he wanted to know whether, for example, you will be able to consciously perceive somebody who is trying to contact you or whether just your unconscious part, so to speak, or say your automatic NPMR part will be taking over and uh, deciding uh, what's best. Okay, that would that would depend. I've done it both ways. Uh, sometimes people who want to get in touch with me, I get the message into my uh, you know awake consciousness here, and I know they're trying to get in touch with me, and I kind of know the, the I get the message. Uh, other times I miss it altogether because I'm asleep or focused on something else or whatever, and my aware consciousness is busy, or um, I don't know exactly what the other reasons might be, but sometimes I don't get it and it just goes on. Sometimes I set it up so that I don't have to get it. If there's something that I'm that I'm doing, I'll, I'll set up a situation where my uh, consciousness will just take care of it and I don't have to be involved in it. It just functions automatically. I do that sometimes when I'm helping people, particularly if they live in other parts of the world where they're awake while I'm asleep, and I say, if you need me, just you know, call out and I'll be there. And I set up in my intent that if I get that call, go service it and don't have to bother me to do that. Just go go service it uh, without me being aware of it. And that seems to work fine. I get reports back that, oh yeah, they called. Oh yeah, they got the help and thank you very much. So it seems to work uh, as well that way as if I'm you know aware of it or whether I'm not aware of it. So it kind of depends on whether my consciousness wants to be aware of it or not and whether I set it up you know to be for me to be aware or not to be aware of it sometimes it's it just works however it seems to be most efficient to work I, I, I generally don't manipulate a whole lot of things I just let things pretty much happen the way they do for the most part but yes that's possible uh, that something like that could be uh, could be set up but um, I don't know whether I would get it uh, consciously or whether I would get it subconsciously or even where I'd get it at all. It would kind of depend on the intent, what it what it meant, what we were doing, why we were doing it, uh, that sort of thing. Thank you, Tom. And maybe the last part of the question, uh, in general, I know in your book you write, uh, if, if we are exploring MPMR, uh, we should say that uh, we are we were sent by Uncle Tom and we'll be taken care of. Um, That's right. Uh, can it be interpreted uh, in such a way that uh, you are willing to be, well, you are not against being contacted by anybody, but of course there is no guarantee that the contact will be with you or that will be you will be able to really respond. Well, when I put that in the book, it's because before I put that in the book, I kind of made an arrangement with some uh, uh, friends of mine that are in the non-physical category, not the physical, and uh, said that uh, if they heard anybody calling for Uncle Tom, you know, they needed to uh, you know, help, you know, get that to me and, and take care of it and whatever, and I got agreement from them to uh, do that, so it may or may not be me. But uh, they'll get help just the same, and any of those 
people who do that, who if they read the book and then they try to meditate and they say, hey, Uncle Tom, you're out there, you know, give me a sign, you know, or whatever, that uh, that should attract some attention and uh, they should get some kind of reply from that because I did set it up. And even though that's a over a decade old, you know, it's it's still in act, you know, still in force and still set up, and they should get some sort of a connection. Now, whether I will be aware of it or not, in that case, probably not. That'd be one of those things that I'd say, take care of it and don't have to bother me with it. You know, just just uh, handle it, and it gets handled out of my uh, out of my consciousness, or perhaps some out of the consciousness of some of my friends. But it uh, it should work. And yeah, you can contact me that way and see what happens. I've had hundreds of people tell me that they've done that because they read it in the book and that they indeed do get some sort of uh, feedback from it. So that, uh, of course, like you say, that could be placebo effect as well. You know, our own mind is a, is a pretty powerful uh, effect on what we get. Thank you very much. Now I will let Greg continue with his questions. Yeah, I just I just have one that I guess I'm ready for. I was going to type it up for this session, but I I was kind of struggling on how to formulate it. But you've touched on some of the points during this this talk today anyway, so I barely go ahead with it. Um, one of the one of the pieces of advice that you give that's helped me the most is talking about how the concept of stuff happening and us reacting is our main form of having lessons. And, uh, but then earlier today, you were also talking about how sometimes people get in touch with their guidance and they become too reliant on it where they, they can't make a decision without feeling like they're being guided down that path. So taking this advice that stuff happens and react to it, I can see people, including myself, maybe second guessing themselves and getting too passive thinking, well, whatever, happens in my entire life, I, I'm just going to sit here and react to it. So, you know, you may be in a situation with your your living arrangement or your job or whatever, and you're just, well, that's my situation. And I'm just going to react to it. I'm, and I'm not going to try to change it. Because on the other end, if you, if you try to change anything, there's the danger of um, feeling like you're inserting your ego into it and becoming egotistical, saying, well, I don't like this situation. I'm going to make it a different way because that's what my ego thinks it is. So I, I guess I'm having a hard time finding, always finding exactly where the, the line between those is and where how to balance that. Yeah, the problem, Greg, is that we try to live our lives out of our heads. In other words, we want our intellect to be in charge. And the intellect gets very confused very easily because, as you say, there's five different ways to look at the same problem, and then you don't know, am I being egotistical? Should I, you know, should I take charge? Should I not take charge? Should I let it happen? Because the intellect gets very confused because there are many ways to look at a problem. It's better if you live your life out of your being level. You just be authentic, who you are. Okay, that's living your life from your being level. I, this is me. This is how I am. Now, the fact that I'm doing that, some of how I am may be egotistical. You know, so I will be on the watch for that. I'll be aware of it. And if I if I start feeling negative things, if I start getting negative feedback, I'll pay attention and find out where's that coming from and what am I doing to create that. Rather than who's doing that to me, I'll think, what am I doing to create that? So if you can... If you can live like that, 
out of your intuition. Do what feels right, what feels authentic. What do you want to do? Do you really like this job? Do you really dislike this job? What's the probability that you could get a better job that you'd like better? Or would a different job just be more of the same? You know, is it uh, is uh, your problem with your job may just be a problem with that general area of work. You know, any place you work may be just as annoying as the place you're working now, you know, and then it's out of the frying pan into the fire. So you have to assess all those things and say, well, what do you want to do? And if it's just you and your ego's not, and your intellect's not uh, wrapped around it, you may find that the job's not nearly as bad as you thought it was. You were making it bad because you were attaching your ego to things. Oh, I didn't get that promotion. Or I didn't get this. They overlooked me. You know, I'm not getting what I deserve. And woe is me. This job sucks. And you, that creates a big negative thing with the job. Whereas you just do your job, you know, how does it feel? So kind of revert more to a being level approach to things and not try to figure everything out from the intellect. Because otherwise, you figure things out from your intellect, you just get confused. You get wadded up over slicing and dicing all the words and how to interpret them and what does it mean. And, uh, you know, and pretty soon you throw up your hands and you, you just don't know what to do anymore because you're totally confused. Just live it. Just live your life. And if your life says, I really need to make a change, you know, this isn't working good for me. I don't feel authentic. I'm feeling like I'm, I have to be somebody that I'm not. And then take that and say, well, why? Is that because, you know, you're, you're trying to please everybody or you're trying to be this or trying to be that? Is it you that's creating the problem or is the problem outside of you? If you come to the conclusion the problem's outside of you and uh, you actually would flourish in a different environment, then start making, you know, start making progress toward changing your environment. Maybe that means you go back to school and learn some other, you know, profession so that you can get out of the one you're in or you whatever you know you go meet different people instead of meeting people in the same places you start changing the way you do things and that will kind of modify your life but try from just beginning from being authentic just who am I aware of the problems that me being authentic causes because if I'm an authentic jerk you see then that's me I'm, a, I'm an authentic jerk and I'll be jerky and it's not that that's okay. Well, it's okay. I'm an authentic jerk, so it's all right if I'm a jerk because that's me, and, you know, we have to just live with ourselves. That's not it. You be authentic, but you also be aware of how you're interacting, what you're doing. How do you affect other people? How do you affect yourself? You know, how happy and full of joy are you? You know, and if any of those things are negative, then find out why. Why is it negative? Typically, you'll find a fear. Work on the fear. But it is true that uh, if you... Don't try to manipulate your environment. You just work with it. That doesn't mean you, you completely ignore it. It doesn't mean that you say, well, I'll just let you know anything that happens, happens. And then I'll deal with it. All right, that's okay. But you also have to plan, right? You got a mortgage payment to make, a car payment to make. You got uh, you know relationships you have to take care of. It's not just about you, you know, it's about other people and you have obligations, you have duties. You have all kinds of things that in your interaction that uh, there's lots of people have a little, you know, a little slice of you as to, you know, your, your, your time and your energy and, and that sort of thing. And you have to service all of that. So you have to do some planning. Okay. What if I, you know, you can't say, well, I just kind of, this job isn't me anymore. So I quit, you know, somehow the system will take care of me and feed me. 
well, the system may teach you that you shouldn't quit a job until you have another one is what it might do. You say, tell you to, you know, you got to take care of things, take care of business yourself. So you can take that to a, if you don't really understand what we're doing, you can take it intellectually and turn it into something that isn't good for you. No matter what, you know, no matter what I tell you to do, you could do it in, in a, in, with the wrong attitude and it would be bad for you. So just be yourself and be aware of how you're interacting with people and the state of your own joy. Are you anxious or are you joyful most of the time? Is life really good and you're happy or not? And if not, what am I doing wrong? How am I being wrong and how can I change that? Where's the fear that's making me react this way? Where's the fear that makes me snappy or angry or upset or discontented? What is it about it? And if you meditate on it, eventually you'll, you'll get a sense whether it's something real and fundamental that you need to change or whether it's just the way it is. And sometimes life's like that. You know, you're driving down the road, you get a flat tire. Well, life's just like that. You've got to get out and fix it. You know, you don't sit in the car and say, oh, why me? Look at all these cars. What did my car have to have a flat tire? You, know, and you just get out and fix it. You deal with it. Um, so you know, all of life's like that. Too. But manipulating life, there's a difference between planning and manipulating. You should be able to make plans. Like, well, I need a job because I need, you know, I have a wife and children and things, and I need to take care of them, and, and uh, I need a car to get around, but I can't even have a job if I don't have a car. I need a computer. I need a few things to get by. So I have to pay for these, so I need some sort of income. So you, you, you have to plan. You can't just sit, cross your legs, go home, and expect uh, you know money to fall out of the sky to keep you going because you want it. That might happen. Some things will just fall you know in your in front of you when you need them. But as soon as you depend on it, you're in trouble. If it just happens because that's on your path, it'll work. But you rely on it and say, okay, take care of me, system. You know, I'm not putting forth any more effort. I'm just going to sit here and, and meditate and let you take care of me. Now you're basically putting demands on the system and the system may give you a good slap to show you that that's really not the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to take responsibility you know, for yourself. And as long as you're taking responsibility for yourself, the system doesn't mind dropping things at your feet. You know, just when you're hungry, a bunch of grapes fall out of the sky, you know, and there they are. You know, it doesn't mind taking care of you if you're doing it and doing it right, doing it well. But uh, as you start making demands on it, it's not going to work with you for very long. I don't know if that helps any. It's a, kind of a, a very broad discussion. Yeah, yeah. It, that's why I was having a problem formulating the question, I guess. But that, that did help a lot. So, so thank you. All right, so if we have uh, time for one more question, I, I would like to ask uh, one more this data or intent related question. Would that be okay? Um, uh, this friend, uh, which I mentioned, uh, helped me realize that uh, there are basically two very different approaches to whatever we are doing with our uh, intent. And for example, I was trying to exercise with some healing and I was trying to send this energy stream or some other visualizations thinking that uh, uh, if I 
can be stable enough in seeing this visualization, just feeling it as it as it is working, without trying to force the image to be too crisp, then basically I, I was doing the job well enough. And uh, of course, uh, I was sometimes struggling with other thoughts that were intruding, and that was in that case uh, some sort of meditation practice at the same time as I was uh, trying to heal and this friend of mine told me that I could uh, use a little bit more uh, information based model because this was basically an energy based model where I perceived my intent as some sort of energy I was giving but in a information model I can see myself as some sort of computer with certain amount of resources based on my uh, entropy. And I can basically set up a intent which should be working in the background, for example, for 20 minutes. I will formulate the intent, uh, well, precisely like a lawyer, as, as you mentioned in the past in few discussions. And basically with this uh, and based out on the outcomes, uh, I should be able to get much more confidence uh, in what I'm doing. And it should work well enough or even better uh, as the, let's say, the, the energy model uh, where I was trying to keep the focus uh, constantly on the one thing. And when I basically took away the focus, I, I was expecting the session, the healing session to be over, right? And with this, I realized that uh, basically I can maybe set up three or four intents in the background. Basically, I, maybe I would like to discover some limiting beliefs, uh, the most limiting belief that I, that reflects, um, uh, that, let's say, restricts uh, me and uh, which causes the most issues in my life. And uh, maybe one intent for healing, one intent for uh, finding uh, the one thing that brings me joy in my life. And uh, with this, I would have three processes, so to speak, running in the background. Um, and the question is, do you see it like this uh, with practice? Is this really how things are working uh, for more advanced uh, users, so to speak? Well, it works both ways. What you're talking about is two different um, tool sets. The, the active ingredient is still the same thing, and that is, you know, your focused intent. That's still the active ingredient in both cases. And now you have two different tool sets for applying that active that uh, intent, for focusing the intent and applying it. Now both of them can work without a problem. Um, it depends more on the individual as to which one I would I would say is uh, the better method. That would just depend on the individual themselves. Some people setting up a, a system, as you call it, an information system uh, to run on its own, wouldn't you know? They would not uh, resonate with that. It just wouldn't be a good metaphor for them. It wouldn't work very well. Uh, others, it may work very well with them. So that kind of depends. So one, I'd say it's individual related. It's not that one method is more powerful than the other, is that some people can use one method more powerfully than, than the other. Uh, some could use the visualization method you started first more powerfully than they could the, the information method you talk about. So that's 
that's one thing. This, the important thing to know is, is that the, the, the effect you have is so proportional to the focused intent you put on the problem. Now, if you can keep something in the back of your mind, you're saying you, you start something, you can start three or four things and keep that in the back of the mind that you are basically putting energy into those three or four things all the time. They're just there, running in the background. Well, that is putting a, a weak, let's say a relatively weak intent on a problem over a long period of time. That can add up to be a pretty powerful intent. You know, if you dribble water in a bucket long enough, you'll fill the bucket up, even if it's a very slow dribble. On the other hand, uh, the other method you were talking about was to put a lot of energy at once into a problem, and then when you're done, you're done. You forget about it till you do it again. So now it's coming in larger doses that aren't continuous, but are, you know, maybe have pretty good-sized breaks between them. Maybe every day you do this. So once a day, you give them a big shot rather than all day long dribble in a small amount. But it's still the amount of focused energy that you put onto the problem is what makes the difference. That's what creates the change in the probability of the outcome. So if you can put three or four things, there's no reason why a person can't think of three or four things at once and keep energy going into those things. And if every couple of minutes or every half an hour or something, your mind just kind of goes to that and says, yeah, I got those four things going. Okay, keep them going. And you just maintain that constant uh, pressure, then you will have an effect. So they both are good methods. I wouldn't say one's more advanced than the other. If we wanted to go to something that was a little more advanced, I'd say, and I would say you maybe could use more detail. Uh, the finer you focus, or the more, let me put it this way, the more you can focus on the exact problem rather than a general problem, the more help, the more help you, you can be, uh, the more power that you will have. In other words, let's talk about healing somebody with cancer. Somebody has cancer and you can help them by just giving them energy and making their whole body glow and that kind of thing and good health, you know, kind of a, a, a feeling. And that will work and help them some. But you could be more specific and you could say, well, I want to put energy on just on those cells that are cancerous. And then you'd focus in on their tumor or whatever and you'd focus energy, healing energy on the tumor rather than good health to the, to the whole being. That would be more effective. And if you were a physician or you knew physiology or biology really well and knew exactly what was going on with this particular kinds of cancer in the cells, you could go in and maybe work at it from that issue. Like maybe you would try to take away the blood supply feeding the cancer or something like that in a mechanism that you know uh, would affect this, this cancer strongly. Now you could be even more effective. So the more detail, the more information you have, the more detailed you can focus your energy. So instead of a, a general focus on a feel-good, you can do a particular focus on a tumor to an even more particular focus on the mechanics of how that tumor works. And the more detailed you get, the more intent you can apply to a simpler thing. You see, you're changing the probability of something happening. So if you can change the probability of the network of blood vessels feeding the cancer, well, that's got a lot of 
randomness in it. That's not, you know, that's more easily movable because that's something that really nobody knows exactly how that's working. Therefore, you can modify that. Nobody notices. It's not a, you don't have any, uh, you know, um, you don't have any issues with the data already being out in a certain way that you have to change it. Uh, you don't have any problems with the sign certainty principle because it's all hidden and so on. That makes it an easy target um, and a very precise target with more, more energy with, a, with that kind of focus. So there's lots of different ways you can do it and either one of those could be more or less detailed. So the one that you call the information way, which is where you were setting up these things to run in the background, you could do that in a general way or you could do that in a very specific way. And the same with your imagery. You could do that in a general specific way. So there's lots of different ways to approach the problem and they're basically different tool sets and it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, if you're not sure that a person really doesn't need to have that cancer and you think you kind of work at them a little and you get the idea, well, you know, this cancer is kind of on their path. This is really something they're meant to experience. Then you might back off and not work on the cancer, but try to give them something to help them deal with and grow from the experience. Raise the probability of that as opposed to raising the probability that their, uh, you know, their cancer will, will uh, regress and go away. So it depends what you're doing. But any of those tools work. Yes, they all work. Uh, and they all can work more or less depending on how much intent you put to them. But the intent you put to them is really the active ingredient, not the tool set that you use. Some tool sets resonate and therefore more effective with some people than others. Thank you very much, Tom. Uh, the, the thing uh, that caught me also today when you said uh, you set up this uh, communication when somebody asks for Uncle Tom and so on, um, it, it reminded me uh, also in this uh, related uh, topic to a let's say recommendation from a quite good uh, meditation teacher uh, Ajahn Brahm. He's very funny, and uh, he said uh, one thing in in one of his videos that uh, most people do an issue, do a pro have a problem with meditation because they constantly. Uh, interrupt the process. Uh, he recommends you basically uh, have, have having the intent of having a quiet mind and letting it, letting it be quiet, not constantly checking whether it's already quiet. And uh, when I, in the past weeks, uh, when I worked with my intent in this uh, respect, it suddenly uh, struck a note because that was exactly what I was always doing uh, wrong. I was always comparing. Uh, whether I'm already uh, quiet enough in my consciousness, whether I'm doing it uh, correct, and I know I shouldn't be doing it, but basically how, how, how can we otherwise know whether we are doing it uh, or not, if we don't check, and that's, now I yeah that's the same problem we just talked about, that's the left brain that wants to know, and wants to be in control and wants to run everything and it's saying, well, am I doing it, am I doing it right you know, well well, I don't know, let's check, you know, are there any thoughts? No, just me talking all the time, wondering if I'm doing it, you know, well, that's, a, that's a, an interruption, and your, your uh, meditation teacher is, is wise to tell you that uh, you stop all that, you know, just intend it to be quiet and let it be quiet, and if it turns out that a thought intrudes, well then 
gently, just gently put the put it aside and, and stop judging and analyzing. It's the judging and analyzing that the left brain does all the time that's the problem when you're trying to work at the being level, which is what you're doing when you meditate. You're trying to let the intellect go and function at the being level. And when you uh, when you get your intellect involved in it, it just pulls you back into that intellectual level, which for most people pulls them back into the ego level. And then they have this fear of, am I doing it right? Is this, you know, is this the right thing? Am I, am I quiet? And then there's all this jabber, all this jabber going on uh, about uh, how you're doing it, and uh, and an analysis and judging. And you just need to put all that aside. You'd be better off just to let it happen, and then try to correct it next time rather than to keep talking to yourself and trying to, to figure out what you should be doing next. It's like uh, Greg, who uh, you know has his intellect saying, well, should I just let everything happen and just deal with it, or should I plan, or should I you know, look ahead? Or, and every way he looks at it, he can find something right and something wrong with it, and then he gets totally confused which way to go. That's your intellect driving you, driving you nuts. You need to tell your intellect to sit down and be quiet sometimes and just let the process go on, and I'll, I'll analyze it later. You know, I'll deal with it later. Now I'm just going to experience it. And anything I do to modify it, like if I do suddenly find myself thinking about going shopping the next day, uh, you know, I will just say, oh, okay, just let that go. And you won't get, oh, now look what I've done. Now I'm thinking about shopping. And, uh, you, know, you get your ego wrapped around it, and you start to cast, you know, castigate yourself for doing it wrong, and I'm not going to get this right. And, you know, all that just gets in the way. You just gently put it aside and go back to what you're doing and just experience it. And if you get interruptions every five minutes, well, that's all right. Next time, maybe it'll be only every four and a half minutes. You know, you just, you just, uh, or six minutes or ten minutes, it'll change, and eventually it'll get the way you want it to be. Exactly. That's that's exactly. And the the funny thing is, uh, in in these exper experiments, and I think this could be also valuable for some people who will hear this. I I noticed that. Uh, um, well, this friend of mine, he told me how many processes I may have running uh, in my background, so to speak, but I really wasn't aware of them um, at first. That's the thing. I, uh, if, if I set some uh, intents, uh, they just were there. I just know that I've set up something, but I didn't have to think about it. That's exactly what I needed to do also with meditation. Just set it up and don't think about it. Just trust yourself that this intent is really working. And uh, uh, what I noticed was uh, in some of uh, our discussions that uh, over the night or maybe over the course of a day, um, I may have some uh, thoughts about uh, some things. I, I may have, uh, let's say, um, started some new topic in my mind. And uh, then uh, later on, uh, something was, uh, let's say, draining my energy. Uh, I was feeling frustrated and I didn't know what it was. Uh, I try to check uh, in this conceptual way how many processes may be running in the background, if, if there is anything like that, of course, trying to be skeptical. And I, I thought, well, there are maybe three or four, and there's something wrong with one, but I couldn't point it out. And the, uh, the friend uh, tried to connect without me telling him what I, I thought. 
he said, yes, there are four processes. One is hung, and it's basically draining your energy. Uh, it's it's uh, trying to do something, and it needs your interaction. So, uh, and this was interesting to me that uh, uh, probably, at least me, maybe even more people are basically using this, let's say, background method of uh, dealing with issues, finding answers for their life questions uh, all the time, but we are not doing it consciously because we don't know that it's that easy, just basically formulating something in your quiet mind and letting it work and just then observing the effects. I couldn't believe it myself. I couldn't steal it. Well, the mind does work like that, and you can separate things out like that, and they do, they do run automatically if you set them up to do so. If you don't set them up to do so, then they, they kind of, instead of running automatically, they just kind of sit there waiting for you to give them attention, and they don't process, but you have to give it that intent that you want them to process. Here's what you want them to work on, and you want them to process on it, and uh, you should also then drop in on them every once in a while to see how each one of them is doing rather than just let them go for a long period of time. Sure, that's like letting your computer on and never rebooting. You know, eventually it stops working very well. If you let it on too, too long, it'll start to malfunction. You essentially need to reboot and uh, get the, uh, the setup cleaned up a little bit uh, every once in a while to keep the thing running well. And your intents are like that, too. So you do have to revisit them. If you let them just run without any attention, they often will get hung or have some other kind of problem. And that's this point of keeping your attention on them. So if every, you know, it's like a, a, a wheel. If you take a wheel rim, uh, like a bicycle wheel rim, and if you have a, you can walk alongside of it, and just every once in a while you can reach out with your hand and give it a, give it a tap on top, we'll keep it rolling. And it'll roll for another, uh, you know, 30 seconds. You just give it another little tap, and it'll roll for a long time. As long as you keep giving it that little tap every once in a while, it'll keep right on functioning. If you don't give it that tap, it'll roll till it quits and, you know, runs out of energy and will fall over. And that's as far as it'll go. And that's sort of what you're doing with these intents. You set them up. You don't have to keep pushing that wheel every inch that it goes. All you have to do is tap it and then leave it alone. It'll roll and roll and roll quite a ways. But you do have to go tap it again. And that's what you're doing with these intents to heal and to do other things. You have four or five things going on, but you have to keep reaching back and giving them a little tap every so often to keep, every time you do that, you're putting a little energy into the problem. You're putting a little energy into the wheel, turning, by giving it that little tap every so often. You're putting a little energy into healing or working on one of your problems by giving it your attention for a, even a, a, you know, a, a fraction of a second. You give it your attention. It doesn't necessarily take a lot, but uh, you still need to keep, to keep after them. And that's just a, it's a metaphor, it's a way of thinking of things, this idea that you're running programs. It's a, it's a metaphor for, you know, describing the way that consciousness works. But consciousness is a digital information system. So you can think of all the things that digital information systems can do, that's what your mind can do. So it's a, it's a decent metaphor to think of it as breaking it into, into sub-programs that are running all the time. You know, it's a good metaphor. There are other metaphors that work as well, but using that as a metaphor, particularly for somebody that works on computers like you do, you know, it's just a natural. I can see that that metaphor should resonate with you. Some people, it just would leave flat. They wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't get that at all.
But uh, keep working with it. You'll probably find it more and more effective the more you work with it. Thank you, Tom.